We're going to be in Psalm 100 this evening, the 100th Psalm, if you'll take your Bibles there. Psalm chapter number 100. You open your Bible just to the middle, you'll probably find yourselves in the book of Psalm already. But again, I have enjoyed being in the Lord's house today, and I hope you have as well. Can't think of any place I'd rather be. Appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak tonight. And if you've got Psalm 100, we find here a very small psalm. It's only got five verses therewith, but it's a packed psalm. It's filled with the goodness of God. We're going to go ahead and we're going to read our text tonight, and then we'll have a word of prayer. Psalm 100, beginning in verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Father, tonight, as we look into Thy Word, I pray that the hand of Almighty God would rest upon us, Lord, that Thy Holy Spirit would go before preparing the hearts of the people, that You would confirm to each and every heart the truth of Thy Word tonight. Lord, I pray that You guide and direct me as I speak. Lord, may I speak only that which would be pleasing unto Thee. And Lord, as it comes time for the invitation tonight, I would ask that each and every one of us would respond according to how You've dealt with us in our hearts. And we would ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look into this psalm, we find that very evident, as we just see from the opening, ver- uh, opening words, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. It is God's desire that His people are a joyous people. I believe God looks down from heaven and smiles and gets excited when He sees God's people excited about the things of God. He wants His people to be a happy and a joyous people. And I don't know about you tonight, but so many times I struggle with my own attitude. I struggle with my old sinful heart. Now I know you probably never have those issues, but I do. And I struggle oftentimes with my attitude. I find it easier to be discouraged than to be encouraged. I find it often easier to be defeated and down in the dumps rather than to be up and thriving. It's often easier uh, just, to, just to allow myself to get down when I ought to be up and encouraged and on fire for the Lord. Skepticism is a natural uh, reaction to our flesh, to our old nature. You know, we're living in a world and in a generation that is filled with negativity. I don't know if you figured that out yet, but our world is filled with all sorts of negativity. I promise you this, if you turn on your news, you will never hear anything that is encouraging on the news. It's almost as if it exists just to depress people. We're living in negative times. We've never seen, probably in the history of our country, where disrespect has been so widely accepted and even encouraged as it is today. You go to Walmart sometimes and you walk over to the t-shirt department or you go to any other clothing store and you'll find t-shirts that you can purchase with words on the front of the shirt such as, I like my bad attitude. I'll tell you what, if they're not encouraging that, then I don't know what that is. You'll see t-shirts at times that have one word written on it. This is the big word with teenagers nowadays, whatever. You know what that word is? That is blatant disrespect and rebellion. 
you know, you and I as God's people, we find ourselves oftentimes just openly complaining and pouting when the smallest thing doesn't go our way. What I'm saying tonight is that keeping an attitude that is acceptable unto our God is a challenge. It's something that I have to work at. And do you realize tonight that any attitude that you and I have that is unpleasing to God leads to misery? It leads to depression. It leads to being cold-hearted and away from God. Now, we know how to put on a face. We know how to put on a smile. And we can come to church. And we can look our best. And inside, our hearts be just as cold and just as miserable as they have ever been. You know, the angry person is a very miserable person. The discouraged person is a miserable person. The skeptical person is a miserable person. And the apathetic person who has given up is a very miserable person. You see, it has to do with our attitude toward the things of God. It has to deal with our hearts. And though we can come to church tonight and on the outside everything can seem just fine, our attitudes can be far away from what God expects for you and I to be, which is filled with the joy of the Lord. So what do we do? What does God's Word have to say about this attitude in which you and I have? I want you to realize tonight, as we look into this psalm, this psalmist in five verses, a very small psalm, and yet the psalmist places an emphasis upon the goodness of God. And here in these five verses, we find not an exhaustive, not, not an exhaustive list, not every blessing that God has given to us, but we find a numerous amount of God's blessings upon our lives. I want you to see these with me. In verse 3, in verse 3 of Psalm 100, the Bible says this, It is He that hath made us. Do you realize tonight that it is Almighty God that has created you and I? It is He that has made us. And the psalmist, though I'm sure in the day and age in which he lived, there was many negative things to focus on. There were many things to which he could have murmured and complained and been upset about. And he chooses to focus upon the good things of God. And he reminds us in verse number 3, Know ye that the Lord, He is God, it is He that hath made us. God has created you and I. That means that God from heaven looked down and He saw fit to create you and I. He loved us. He cared about us. The Holy Spirit of God is involved in the birthing process, in the formation of a child, of a baby. And God Himself loved you and I with an everlasting love. None of us are here on accident. We are here on purpose for a reason. God has a plan for our lives. He has created us. What a blessing from God. We see also in verse 3, the psalmist points out, we are His people. We are the children of Almighty God. If you're saved tonight, praise God, you can be identified as His people. What a blessing to know that an old sinner like me can be identified as being a part of the family of God. We are His people. Thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ, He has made a way for you and I to be saved. Tonight, if you're saved, you are a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been brought into the family. You are a child of God, and you can know that we are His people. We see as well in verse number 3, He says, "...the sheep of His pasture." If you know anything about the Lord Jesus Christ, you understand the Bible teaches us that He is the Good Shepherd. And the Good Shepherd giveth His life for His sheep. Literally, Almighty God looks at us as the sheep of His pasture. He protects us. He cares about us. He provides for us. 
He is the good shepherd who watches over and provides for every need that we have in our lives. We are the sheep of His pasture. Can I tell you, friend, when we're in the pasture of Almighty God, we are well protected. We are well cared for. We are well provided for. He says again here in verse number 5, we see another blessing. Very simply put, verse 5, the Lord is good. You know, if we're not careful, simple phrases in the Bible such as the Lord is good, we'll just gloss over and not give much thought to. But do you realize the powerful statement to say that God has been good to you and I? In every way, God has been good to us. Every good and perfect gift cometh from above. God has been infinitely good to you and I tonight. Verse 5, he says, His mercy is everlasting. Though undeserving, you and I, we're not deserving of any good thing that God chooses to give unto us. We're nothing but wicked, rotten sinners. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of Almighty God, and yet undeserving as we are, His mercy is everlasting. He is long-suffering. Thank God that He shows us mercy. And then in verse number 5 as well, at the end of the verse, we see His truth endureth forever. Oh, what blessings the psalmist chooses to think about. The positive things of God that he chooses to dwell on rather than the negative things going on about him. He says, the truth of God endureth. You know what God has given to you and I tonight? He's given us the Word of God that is in our laps tonight. He's given to us His precious Word that we can know Him thereby. Thank God that His truth endureth forever. There have been those who have tried to do away with the Word of God, and yet His Word is settled forever in heaven. We have the eternal inspired Word of God. Catch this, that we may know Him thereby. When you open your Bible, it doesn't matter if you're in Genesis, Revelation, or anywhere in between. Your Bible is the written revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is revealing to us Jesus Himself in every book of the Bible for the purpose that we may know Him in a greater way. Thank God that His truth endureth. What I want you to see as we look at each of these blessings tonight in this psalm is that God has done so much for you and I. God has been so infinitely good to us. What God is saying in this psalm is that He has given you and I every reason in the world to be filled with joy, to be on fire for God. God's people have no excuse to get down in the dumps. We have no excuse to quit and give up. We have no excuse to walk around miserable when we have a heavenly Father who is our good shepherd. And yet, we struggle so much. And oftentimes, we find ourselves so miserable wallowing in misery, wallowing in the negative things going on round about us rather than being joyful as God has commanded and desires for us to be. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3, I remind you, the Bible says, "...the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good." According to God's Word, God in heaven is watching you tonight. He watches our lives, He sees what we do, and He's also listening. He hears everything that we say. He searches our hearts. He knows the inner man. He knows everything about us. And I wonder this evening what it is that God has observed, what it is He has heard from each of us this week. What has He seen? What has He heard come out of our mouths? 
have we been uplifting and edifying and encouraging and genuinely joyful in the Lord? Or have we been most miserable? I want you to notice here in our text what it is that God desires to see and to hear from His people. Now that I'm finished with my introduction, I want you to see tonight, number one, what it is God desires to see and to hear from His people. And I want you to, as we look at these tonight, let's see how well we measure up to what it is God wants to see from His people. We see number one, in verse number one, very simply, God's desire for His people, He says here, make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. What is a joyful noise? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, God says, I desire that my people would make a joyful noise. And I have to stop and question tonight, what is it that God is trying to say to us here? What is a joyful noise? What noises can we make that would be most pleasing unto our God? Let me give you some thoughts about this tonight. Number one, how about the sound of genuine happiness? The sound of genuine happiness. You know, it's not hard to tell when somebody's truly happy and when they're just putting on a facade. It's not hard to discern that. And God's people ought to be a happy people. We ought to be excited about the things of God. And He enjoys when His people are genuinely happy. Let me give you an example of this in the Bible. You're in Psalm 100. If you'd like to turn there a few pages over to Psalm 126. Psalm 126, and we'll look at the first two verses. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. Can I tell you, as we look at this, he says here, The mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Here in this passage, we see that God's people were filled with genuine happiness. Can I tell you what happy Christians are this evening? Happy Christians are effective Christians. When we are excited about the things of God, we become very effective in our ministries. We can become very effective in our outreach. You see, in Psalm 126, we find that their joy in God led them to a great testimony for God. You see, your joy is a great testimony unto others. The attitude toward the things of God that they had was very contagious. All right? When you get around certain people, there are people that when I get around, just being in their presence and seeing their zeal for God just makes me want to serve God. It makes me want to open my Bible. It makes me want to go soul winning. It makes me want to stand up and preach. Why? Because their joy in the Lord is contagious. It's a great testimony. I'll tell you, friend, I would much rather have somebody talk to me about the things of God that is happy and excited than to have somebody who is down in the dumps and upset and depressed and absolutely miserable try to convince me of the things of God. You see, our joy is a great testimony to those around us. I want you to notice, he says here at the end of verse 2 in Psalm 126, Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. You notice that the heathens took note of their happiness. The heathens took note of the testimony, of the excitement, of the laughter and the singing and the praising that they were doing to their God. And they said, The Lord hath done great things for them. 
Friend, I'm saying tonight, what a testimony. How effective a little happiness in the Lord can be to those who are watching us. We all have those who are watching us. You have folks out on the job who are watching you. You've got family who's watching you. You've got church members who are watching you. You have children who are looking at you. How effective your testimony is when you're happy in Jesus. Oh, friend, I'd much rather have somebody excited talk to me about the things of God than somebody who's miserable. You know where happiness in the Lord comes from? It comes from a joyful heart. It comes from a joyful heart that changes our countenance and feeds our soul. In Proverbs 15 and verse number 13, the Bible says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. A joyful heart maketh a cheerful countenance. You see, happiness as a believer begins with an inward attitude toward the things of God and manifests itself on our outward countenance. You can tell those that have been alone with God. You can tell the ones that are excited about God because there's a glow about them. It changes our countenance when we have the joy of the Lord in our hearts. It also feeds our soul in Proverbs 15, two verses past that. Verse 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. You think about that. God says the man or the woman who has a merry heart, a joyful heart, has a continual feast before him. His soul is well fed. Oh, I'm glad tonight that our countenance can be changed by the joy that is within our heart. What I'm saying to you tonight is we need to get a little dose of being happy in Jesus. We need to get along with God and allow Him to affect our inward attitude toward the things of God. He says here, make a joyful noise. That joyful noise absolutely can be the sound of genuine happiness and the testimony it brings. Here's a second thought. How about encouraging words? encouraging words. I believe tonight that God desires for His people to be a people that would bring nothing but encouragement to others, that would build up and lift up one another. And I believe that you and I tonight, as we seek to lift up and exhort and encourage one another, that is a joyful sound within the ears of our God. He doesn't want to look down and see us squabbling and murmuring and causing all kind of trouble for one another. He wants us to build up and encourage one another. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says this, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, and to be ready to every good work. Catch verse 2. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. I'm saying tonight, a joyful sound is the encouragement of God's people toward one another. And in verse 2 of Titus chapter 3, he says, Speak evil of no man. You know, it is the natural reaction of our flesh as we yield to our flesh, to our old nature. The natural thing that comes out is negativity, gossip, speaking evil of those around us. And God has told us emphatically, very plainly, that you and I are to speak evil of no man. When we begin to gossip, when we begin to speak negative um, statements toward others... What that does is it damages the Word of God and it spreads discord among His people. Can I tell you tonight, you and I have an adversary. We have an adversary, the devil, who is as a roaring lion. i got news for you. We have enough trouble dealing with Satan. We don't need to add to it by fighting one another. 
Let's continue to fight the devil rather than fighting one another. Speak evil of no man. Instead, we are commanded, according to verse 2 of Titus 3, to be gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. May God help us to be encouraging. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 We are commanded here again, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, watch this, and edify one another, even also as ye do. You know that word edify means to encourage. Again, to build up, not to tear down. To edify one another, even also as ye do. In the life of a Christian, in the life of a believer, God should never look down and hear from our lips us using any kind of words for the purpose of hurting others. God should never hear His people using their tongues for the purpose of tearing down and hurting other individuals. Rather, we are to, with encouragement... Build one another. Encouragement is a joyful noise unto our God. Let me give you a third thought here. Make a joyful noise. How about simply praising God? How about simply praising the name of our great Savior, giving Him the honor and the glory that is due unto His name? This again, when we praise our God, this comes from an attitude. And at times, it can be a very difficult thing to have an attitude that would sing forth praises unto our God. Again, we find it oftentimes much easier to murmur and complain than we find it to be content praising God for what He's done and who He is. We often want to complain and murmur rather than just to say, God, I am content. Thank you for what you've given me. I didn't deserve any of it. We need to be busy praising the Lord. But if we're not walking in the Spirit, we're walking in the flesh. And if we're walking in the flesh... Murmuring and complaining is what's going to come forth out of our hearts and manifest itself through our lips. You know, complaining is the very opposite of praising God. Complaining is the opposite of praising our God. And yet, how many of our prayers are filled with discontentment? How many of our prayers toward our God are filled with complaining? Lord, uh, I just don't know what's going on here. Lord, I don't understand this. Are are you sure this is what you're doing? And rather than just saying, God, I trust you. God, I believe in you. God, I'm happy with what you're doing in my life. I know you've got a plan. We allow even our prayers, even in the presence of God, we allow our communication to be filled with murmurings and complainings. Can I tell you what complaining says? Complaining says that God has not been good to me. When you complain, you're telling God, God, you have not been good to me. You may never say that in your prayers directly to God, but God who searches our hearts sees through our words to the truth of our hearts. And we say that God has not been good to us. Complaining says that God has not been fair to me. Complaining says I'm not happy with God. You know, once again... You may never get on your knees in your prayer closet and lift your finger towards the face of heaven and say, God, I'm not happy with you. You'd be be quite the fool if you did that. And yet again, as we speak and as we murmur and as we complain, as we show our discontentment about the things that go on in our lives and the things that we have and the things we're not happy with, God sees through our face he sees through our words he sees through our attitudes and he understands that's exactly what we're saying in our hearts that we're not happy with our god 
Can I tell you that we see time and time again in the history of Israel how God feels about complaining. It angers the Lord. Let me give you one example of this. In Numbers 11 and verse 1, the Bible says, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and His anger was kindled. You know, it angers God when His people murmur and complain. The Bible says He heard it and His anger was kindled. Don't ever think that you're just going to get alone and you're going to have yourself a little pity party thinking that God's not aware of it. He sees it. He's there. He understands. He sees our actions. We, you know, we should be far more concerned with praising our Lord than we are complaining to Him or complaining about Him. I remind you again, as I began this sermon tonight, we looked at blessing after blessing after blessing from the psalmist. We have no reason to complain. Yet our attitude and our old hearts struggle with it day in and day out. In Psalm chapter 150, you know what? Take your Bibles there for just a moment over to Psalm 150. Just a few pages over, Psalm 150. We find Psalm 150 is an entire psalm dedicated to the praise of God. We have six verses here that teach us over and over again that God desires that we would praise Him. Psalm 150, let's read it. Praise you the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise God in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and heart. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. And notice verse number 6. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord... Praise ye the Lord. You think it's important to our God that we praise Him when He dedicated an entire psalm to that matter? Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I tell you, friend, praising our God is a joyful noise to His ears. What is it God desires to see and to hear from His people? Number one tonight, a joyful noise. I've got three more for you tonight, and I promise they'll go much quicker. Number two. In verse number 2, we see here, God desires to see and to hear from His people. He wants to see us serving Him with gladness. Serving the Lord with gladness. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. You know, any opportunity, any opportunity that you and I have to serve God in any capacity, no matter what it is, big or small, in the public eye, behind the scenes, any opportunity to serve God, we ought to do so with gladness. God wants to see His people serve Him with a willing heart, with a glad heart. What I want to say to you tonight is, listen, you and I do not have to go to church. We get to go to church. We don't have to rise early in the morning to spend time with God. We get to rise early in the morning and give our first fruits unto God, to give our best to God. We don't have to go out on visitation and soul winning. We get to. God uses us to do His work and we get to be a part of it. We don't have to live for God in a spiritually dark world. We get to be a light for the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. And on and on we could go. So much damage has been done to the cause of Christ because of the obligated have-to attitude of His servants. How often do we have utter from our lips, 
I really don't want to go to church tonight, but I have to. Because what's everyone else going to think if I'm not there? I really don't want to get here at 4 o'clock for choir practice. I really don't want to, but I have to. Because what's everyone going to think if I don't? You know, I really don't want to go soul winning today, but I just feel like I'm, I'm obligated. I need to. I have to. You know, other people pick up on that. We're not very good at hiding it. And I believe that there has been much damage done to the work of Christ because we have an obligated, have-to attitude toward the things of God rather than a joyful, excited, I get to serve God with gladness attitude. He says to serve the Lord with gladness. We need to take every opportunity to serve God with a glad heart. Again, whether that means we're serving God in the public eye or whether it's behind the scenes. You know, it's oftentimes easy if your ministry is one that's in the open. If your ministry is one that is before people, it's a little easier to stand up and act excited. All right? Because you're being noticed. Other people are watching you. And I understand at times it may be a little more difficult for the one who's working behind the scenes to serve God with gladness because they feel like they go unnoticed. But I want you to see tonight that I would say that the man or the woman who is serving God and their ministry is behind closed doors and behind the scenes, I would say the one behind the scenes has a greater reward than many who are serving God out in the open because he serves before the Lord and God is his reward rather than the recognition of others. Thank God for those who work diligently, who work faithfully behind the scenes. Thank God for those who make sure we have facilities that are clean. Thank God for those who will come in early and stay late and nobody sees the work that they do for God. They don't go unnoticed in His sight. And they can come in and they can serve the Lord with gladness. Amen. God wants to see you and I serve Him with gladness. Notice with me thirdly tonight, again in verse number 2, not only should we serve the Lord with gladness, but He says, come before His presence with singing. Here we go, Brother Kevin. Serve the Lord with singing. God wants His people to be a, a singing people. He wants us to serve Him. He wants us to sing His praises. Let me share with you some of the most common, most familiar verses in all the Bible on this subject. Ephesians 5 and verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. God says very plainly, Come unto me with singing. Verse number 2, Come before His presence with singing. God wants to hear the song of His children. God wants to hear the singing of His praises from you and I. I want you to see in these verses we read in Ephesians 5 and in Colossians chapter 3, there is a direct relation between being filled with the Spirit of God and being filled with the Word of God and singing God's praises. Again, in Ephesians 5.18, he says, being filled with the Spirit of God, singing in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In Colossians 3.16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, admonish and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What he's saying is that when you and I are filled with the Spirit of God, it will produce in us a desire to sing the praises of God. 
He also says when you and I are filled with the Word of God, it'll produce in us a desire to sing the praises of God. I believe tonight, as we see in our Bibles, singing is a very big deal to God. We look at the nation of Israel, how often God's chosen people, Israel, would sing praises to God. You notice that the largest book in your Bible, the book of Psalm, is dedicated to singing the praises of God. God wants to hear His people sing. I believe that every child of God ought to have a song in His heart for the Lord. Listen, friend, you may not be able to carry a tune audibly whatsoever, and Brother Kevin would never ask you to sing a special on Sunday morning. Yet you can have a song in your heart for your God. I wonder tonight, as we look at congregational singing, we look at the specials, we see the great music we've had today. Man, that's part of our worship. That's part of worshiping Almighty God. He receives that worship. We can sing the great hymns of the faith intentionally from our hearts in such a manner that it brings true worship to God. I can stand up with my hymn book and I can sing a prayer from my heart to God intentionally. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. And I can sing those words with my mind engaged and my heart engaged. And I can make that promise anew to my God every time I sing. Take my life and let it be. And that can be worship to Almighty God. I wonder, during the congregational singing, as God listens to you and I, and as God hears you and I, I wonder, moments ago, as we each stood, and we all had a hymn book in hand, and we all sang the great hymns of the faith, how many of us truly worshipped God through our singing? And how many tonight simply mouthed the words without any thought to what they were singing? You know, our music ought to be held to the same standard as the Word of God. It ought to be doctrinal. It ought to be edifying. It ought to be lifting up the name of Christ. And it is an essential part of our worship to God. You know, I appreciate the, the young people singing tonight. I'm so thankful that we have some teenagers that will stand up and sing. And I know it's a blessing to your hearts to see them up here. And I'm thankful for their willingness. And I'm not going to pick on you too much, but I'll tell you, not all the times, but most of the time, one of the hardest groups to get to sing are teenagers. You know, let me talk to the young people tonight for just a moment. As a teenager and, and as a child, you need to learn how to sing for your God. You need to learn, and, and teen choir is a great place to start, but learn how to sing and worship Almighty God through song. Be more concerned with worshiping your Savior than you are about looking cool for your peers. Learn to sing for the Lord. What is it God wants to hear and see? A joyful noise, His people serving Him with gladness, singing before His presence. And then lastly this evening, number four, we find in verse number four, God expects for you and I to have a grateful spirit. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Oh, God desires to look down from heaven and see you and I with a grateful spirit toward the things of Almighty God. I said earlier that you and I deserve no good thing from our God. Again, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, and anything good that you and I have comes from above. We don't deserve anything good, and we ought not walk around acting like we do. There's no place for entitlement among God's people. And yet we walk around like we own everything, 
when we can't even walk without God holding our hands. We can't even draw another breath without the gift of Almighty God, and we think we're somebody. What I'm saying tonight is we need a great humbling. We need to return to that grateful and thankful heart toward the things of God, and the month of Thanksgiving would be as good a time as any to get there. We ought to approach God often. We ought to approach God every day, multiple times a day, and we ought to utter from our lips, Thank you, Lord. I didn't deserve that. Thank you, God. I didn't deserve that. I wonder when the last time was that we sincerely just fell on our faces, maybe even with tears flowing because we were overwhelmed with the goodness of God. Thank you, God. I didn't deserve it. What I'm saying to you tonight is that God wants His people to be a people that are filled with joy. But as I look around our world, I see more often than not God's people walking around with heads down. God's people walking around with defeat. God's people walking around in misery when God has given us a reason to shout and be on fire. What is it that God desires to see and hear from us tonight? As we've looked at this, we understand God wants His people to be filled with joy and singing and gladness and gratefulness. And I ask you this evening, how is it that you and I measure up? How do we measure up to what God expects from you and I? Especially when He's given us every reason in the world to be that way. Why? Why do we find ourselves so often most miserable rather than joyful? As I close tonight, and we make an application here, why, why is it that we struggle so much with our attitude? Why do we struggle so much with our old hearts? Why do we allow ourselves to grow so cold-hearted toward the things of God? Can I just give you three thoughts very quickly? Perhaps the issue tonight, perhaps the very thing that is stealing our joy is because of sin in our lives. Maybe there's some sin that is in our lives that is taking away and stealing away the joy that God wants us to have. Do you realize tonight that joy is only found in the presence of God? In His presence is rejoicing and joy, and joy is found in the presence of God. But when there's sin involved, sin literally separates us from God. Sin literally places distance between you and your God. Perhaps the reason that you're not joyful tonight and you find yourself dealing with that old attitude. You find yourself most miserable because there's sin in your life that you need to deal with that's placed distance between you and the one who is the fountain of joy. Maybe tonight the issue would be a lack of faith. Not all the time. You say, hold on a minute, Pastor. I am a man of faith. That's true, but we all deal with a lack of faith every now and then. Maybe you're going through a spell right now as a lack of faith, sometimes we just forget, as Pastor said this morning, perhaps it's a lack of faith. Without faith, the Bible says it is impossible to please Him. Can you imagine living in the world we live in today with a lack of faith in God? You know, at times we just forget that He's still on the throne. At times we just forget that He's still is all-powerful. He still has the world in the palm of His hand. He still is coming again. You know, Pastor preached a message not long ago about the coming of the Lord, and the greatest that we have is still ahead of us. 
We live in a dark world and everything around us seems very dark and depressing. And yet for God's people, we have the greatest ahead of us. We're still going to heaven. God is still coming again for his own. We still have a hope and a future with him for all of eternity. Yet we forget that from time to time. In that lack of faith, sometimes we just simply forget that God still gives his power to his people to do his work. Hey, revival can still happen. Great things can still be done for the Lord. What I'm saying tonight is maybe what's taken away your joy is sin. Maybe it's a lack of faith. And then lastly tonight, perhaps the problem is very simply an absence from His presence. An absence from His presence. You and I ought to every day get, with, get up and get in the presence of God. And yet sometimes we just decide to play hooky. We decide to be absent. Sometimes we just fail to spend time alone with God. Many times we just neglect our time in His Word seeking His face. You know, that'll lead to no joy. If you're not in your Bible, you're not going to have joy. And by the way, you can be in your Bible and you can read your Bible every day without your heart and without your mind being engaged, and that's called checking off a box, but without seeking God's face in your Scripture reading. Being too busy to commune with Him in prayer. How many appointments has God been left high and dry waiting on us to come to the throne of grace only to find that we were too busy to make our appointment with Him? What I'm saying to you this evening is this. The farther away that you and I get from Him, the farther away we will be from what He desires for us to be. Joyful. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. Let's bow for a word of prayer tonight with heads.